Hello and welcome to the next episode of Tune um, of Cyflix on Tune FM. I'm the host Marissa Betts. I'm a geologist and paleontologist here at UNE, and Cyflix is our science outreach collaboration between UNE and also the Belgrave Cinema here in Armidale. Next week we have the film Everything Everywhere All at Once, and our speaker is Kate Armstrong-Smith. So that's next week, Thursday, the 25th of May, 6pm start. Get down at 6pm to hear the talk before the film and stay afterwards to ask questions of our speaker. I'm chatting with Kate at the moment, so thanks very much for joining me, Kate. Lovely to be here, Marissa. (laughs) Thanks for having me. No worries. Um, So, yeah, normally with SciFlix, I interview scientists at UNE um, about their research, but... um, In this case, it's a little bit different. So can you give us a rundown on what you do and what your work is? Absolutely. So I am one of the co-founders of a culture tech startup uh, called Athelia. Athelia means to narrate in ancient Greek. And our purpose is to keep the magic of story alive in this new digital age, which has, there's been a lot happening digitally in the world. Um which we're going to talk about, and uh, the way that we are keeping the magic of story alive is to create tools that enhance creativity, uh, that creatives love to use, and currently our mission is to create uh, intelligent story software that the story and entertainment industries of Australia and then internationally can use. Wow. A lot to unpack there. I'm sure we'll get to it all. How did you get into this area? What's your, um, I guess, byline, you know, when you introduce yourself? Like, what do you introduce yourself as? Well, I, before I had the privilege of putting together this uh, team for Athelia, I called myself a producer. Mm -hmm. I was a, a creative producer, an executive producer, and I was uh, focused on taking stories and turning them into films, theatre, uh, creating events with creatives. Uh, so I work, I've worked across many mediums. I started as a theatre producer and then worked in festivals and film and television. And I really was quite happy to be a theatre producer for the rest of my life, I thought. Uh, But I also started my career when the digital revolution of YouTube and Facebook and Instagram, so the content platforms, Web2, really exploded and started to affect my career So, and my Mm. the area I was working in. So I became quite fascinated with technology and I was always wanting to use new technology in order to help creatives and stories connect with audiences. And that's led me here to work. That's in so this cool. Field. Was it more? Is, was it a case of like, if you can't beat them, join them, kind of thing, or was it more that you were like fascinated by the technology and what it can offer? That's a really interesting question and deep <laughs> question. I think something that motivated me was the desire for uh, stories to still connect in this day and age, and I actually. At the beginning of my career, I started to see young people Mm. when I was young uh, start to leave Mm. the theatre and the story industries. They no longer were interested in engaging with them and that really grew exponentially now with what is 
you know, the YouTube and the TikTok and the Instagram social platforms, which really engage the majority of young people. So Mm -hmm. I actually was driven by thinking, well, how do we keep engaging young people in the cultural industries? And that led me to where I am today. So it was actually through concern at the beginning, but then I learnt a lot along the way on it was a much bigger what what has happened is much been much bigger than just that's so cool about, yeah. I love that yeah. um and because the audience and a lot of people that listen to these podcasts are students mm. um what did you do at school like what was your pathway to get here I, I love the idea that people's pathways are not really linear you know and they mm. start out doing something and they end up doing something completely different yeah. was that what happened to you absolutely so <laughs> I'm a millennial for all the students out there just to so you can put me Firmly in a generation, a mm-hmm. cultural generation, uh, and we had a term when I was younger called a slashy. I don't know if that's still around. So a slashy was someone who had more than kind of one vocational interest. And I studied uh, medical science when I was at university. I did. Uh, I majored in immunology and biochemistry. Wow. And uh, but I also had a passion for theatre and performing arts and it just happened that I kind of just swapped between the two of them and then I had a career that you know took off in entertainment and so I wasn't able to return until Mm. I think actually the start now running a culture tech company I've been drawing on a lot more of my interest in technology exactly (laughs) and um yeah, and uh, intelligent systems. That's so cool. Mm. Um, so tell us about Othelia. You kind of mentioned Othelia before. Mm. Like, um, what is it and how does it work? How do people use it? So Othelia is um, is a company and we produce uh, software for people to collect and write their stories on. The technology behind it is we've actually built a patented unique technology that allows you to record not just the words on a page, but the relationships between the words. So uh, it's, we could call it a narrative model or a verb model. Um, In effect, what it does is if you were to write a story as one does uh, on a piece of paper or in a a word processor, for example, uh, Little Red Riding Hood mm-hmm. went into the wood and to uh, visit her grandmother. When you would write that story down on a word processor, it would just record the symbols or mm-hmm. words. What our technology does is when you write those words, it notes that there is a character called Little Red Riding Hood that she is going to see her grandmother. So imagine metaphorically mm. it linking the relationships oh, behind it the It understands words. the meaning of the words that you're using. It understands the relationship right. and me- meaning is something I guess we'll delve into with wow. intelligent systems. Yes, what okay. It, yeah, so what it does is understands relationships and values of relationships and how if one uh, thing changes how it affects everything else. So in effect, that's the technology and why we are creating tools for creatives Mm -hmm. is because uh, the entertainment industry has exploded from 
a $3 billion to $30 billion industry wow. in the last 10 years. Uh, when I started my career, I was uh, still getting videos and from Blockbuster and watching uh, television that, you know, happened on schedule. And now we have extraordinary uh, video-on-demand uh, streaming companies. Uh, my kids prefer, you know, uh, well, would love to watch YouTube and TikTok if we let them. <laughs> uh, and it's just – and movies are made in gaming engines and people are now starting to watch games as movies. Wow. And uh, And then I'm sure you've all heard that this metaverse is coming as yep. well. So – what people don't realize about this extraordinary, you know, explosion of entertainment uh, uh, creations yeah. and uh, for um, assets and formats is that the creators are still writing the stories and designing the stories on pretty much paper. Yeah, wow. So, or a word processor. So they're still recording their words. They're making everything up yeah. and then storing it. I mean, I hadn't thought of it being produced any other way, That's right. to be honest. <laughs> That's right. And so um, we, in our company, our Australian best company, when we were at a film and television school, uh, my co-founder asked the question, what would happen? What if story wasn't a linear thing? It was actually a system. And what if you treated story like a system and a bunch of connections uh, instead of uh, trying to log it as a just a linear journey, and uh, which is probably yeah. very appropriate for the movie that yeah, absolutely that we're well. telling with yes. <laughs> um, before we get to the movie, um, I've got more questions about AI tech, and like I'm um, a researcher and a teacher here at UNE, and this year in particular, things like ChatGPT have come really sharply into focus for us. We're getting um, lots of panicked emails from the university saying, you know, we're worried about student cheating. But in other fields, I guess people are worried about job losses and things like that. So there's lots of um, negative press, I guess, around those kind of AI technologies. But what's your take on that? It sounds like it could be harnessed for good, you know, and what's the what's the um I guess, the feeling in the creative sector. Is this destroying jobs or maybe we're creating jobs? Yeah, sure. So um, as I've mentioned, we call ourselves an intelligent story software company. We are not uh, traditional artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. um, artificial intelligence and chat GPT is uh, classified as a large language model um, and uh, the artificial intelligence is qualified uh, or classified as deep learning. Um, so neural nets, either this uh, kind of technological space known as neural nets and known as large language models. Mm -hmm. And we are a not that, we are a, I guess if you talk about it in visual terms or metaphoric terms again, what we are doing is creating containers in which people can put their stories within and instead of holding them on paper they're holding the story world and the connections between them which I can talk about a bit mm. later the question you had though is about you know the uh, awareness of these large language models and the way that they're actually affecting culture now mm. uh, our experience with them 
is that we've been actually tinkering with them. Uh, our mission is to create intelligent story software. So we've looked at all the intelligent software out there with the purpose of enhancing creativity. So when ChatGPT uh, hit everyone's consciousness mm. or awareness in uh, December, we'd been working with it for quite a while. Wow. And the reason why we were looking at it was to see how it could help us uh, grab the stories off the page and putting it into our container. We then created an experiment for the industry because we could see what was happening and mm -hmm. coming up. And we created a story generator that you can actually use if you go to our site. Mm -hmm. And because we wanted to show uh, our community, our industry, how powerful uh, these language models were. And we created this, this story generator, which you can have a go um, of yourself. Um, so anyone in, can go to the website? Anyone it, can go to the website. Is it Othelia.net, um, I think? It's Othelia.co. .co, sorry. Othelia.com.au. Yep. Uh, and if you go to the website, you can um, get to this uh, story uh, generator and you can come up with an idea, put the idea in, uh, pick a genre, pick a theme. So you might want to write a love story with um, and you want it to have the theme of romance, uh, but you want it to be about loneliness, family and adventure. And it will quickly come up with a synopsis. It will quickly come up with the structure of the story and pretty much in about five minutes, depending on uh, how the engines are working, like ChatGPT, it will actually produce a draft script or story for you. Wow. So we put that out as an experiment to, you know, to see if that was going to be good mm. or bad. And we got two very distinct responses to answer your question. The first was uh, from... Uh, some people agreed with a lot of the creative elite mm. that have come out and spoken about these language models, such as Spielberg, mm. Noam Chomsky, Nick Cave and Del Toro. They're very outspoken creatives and they were very upset at the idea that an engine could create a story or something creative mm. uh, without any human interaction. And they all pretty much said it was a soulless uh, kind of piece of technology and that that wasn't what creativity was all about. Right. So we had people in our industry come back and have that feedback, that mm. they were really concerned about, you know, a technology that generates things for you. However, we also got really interesting feedback from other creatives and writers that uh, it actually helped them with what's called writer's block. Mm -hmm. um, it was really good as a companion that they, what they really enjoyed doing was putting something in, seeing what it yeah. came out with, editing it and going back and forth. Yeah. And I think that's something that's also come out with the general population in the last six months when the people playing with it, that it's a really interesting co-creating companion. That's so um, cool. That's a great way to think about it actually. Yeah. yeah. It reminds me of um, I think that creative people have been doing stuff like this in, in ways of in terms of prompting themselves for such a long time I remember ages ago I was at a um an exhibition in Melbourne I think about David Bowie and he had this really cool um he'd invented this machine um where he could sort of um it was a, a it would randomly generate sentences um and 
he would use those as prompts to write lyrics and um, and be creative, basically. So it was a bit like, you know, if you think about a creative's work as their job, you know, to think about it more seriously as I need to make all the time and you need help to be to be making, right? Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. There are definitely creatives who are really interested in embracing, you know, new technologies. The electronic music industry wouldn't exist without that (laughs) happening. Um, The fact that we're talking about movies and games and, you know, that didn't exist 100 years ago and wouldn't without, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, cameras and all the advancement in visual technology. Uh, And, you know, I think... Uh, we have this great example, Aristotle back in the old, you know, ancient Greek days was actually really horrified that um, writing had uh, come about and they were starting to record the plays because wow. he is actually being recorded in some of these, um, you know, these books and these um, uh, this literature that we still have today as exclaiming that the children would, their memories would be affected uh-huh. if they had to read the plays and have them written down. Wow. So I think it's really normal and totally justified for people to be cautious about yeah. as new technology comes in. The Luddites were very famous for that. Um, Imagine if Aristotle knew about Google. He, he might be. He'll, he'd turn over in his grave, yeah. as they say. Um, but, uh, you know, with technology comes responsibility. Mm. And I think it's really great and important how everyone's reflecting on the way um, it affects culture. We have a saying in our company, as the uh, technology becomes more intelligent, we really don't want our culture to become more artificial. Oh, that's a good one. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And that's important yeah. at the moment. And do you think... Um, I guess, you know, the, that sort of um, blowback from the creatives uh, may be justified in some way, but maybe they're not understanding how it really is going to work. Like, do you think that, um, like, there'll be whole scripts and whole books and creative works written by AI, or is it always going to be this, like, prompting tool and, like, a companion thing? What do you think? I, I mean, the jury's out for that. Uh, currently, Hollywood, the writers of Hollywood are currently on strike. Wow. Um, there's this very big, uh, every 10 years, uh, they go forth and uh, ask for rights, um, you know, and changing the working conditions. And this is a very heated time for them because not only are they asking for working conditions uh, to be updated and amended because of the Netflixes and the Mm -hmm. um, streaming companies that have completely changed the way we consume content. But now they've also got to really make sure that their work and their jobs are also being honoured and protected with, uh, you know, the large language models, with the chat GPTs and the other, um, and the BARDs, Google has has brought theirs out as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, BARD, yeah. So, um. Yeah, I think that it's about, well, for us, it's about how do we use these technologies to enhance creativity uh, and keep the magic of story alive. Uh, And I think that we talk a lot about um, the thing that the models can't do at the moment is create what's called pathos, going back to Mm. the ancient Greeks, Mm -hmm. Uh, and that pathos is the ability to elicit an emotion Mm. and engage another human and motivate them emotionally, uh, connect, transform their experience through story. 
And that's something I think that at the moment, large language models don't do or are interested in doing. And it's something that humans are, you know, need and want mm, to do. Yeah. So, um, like an intrinsically human thing really to elicit emotion in one another, I suppose. It is. <laughs> yeah, it is. So I think that that's something that's very important for our users that they, are interested in connecting with an audience in telling stories and I'm not at the moment these engines don't seem to be mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> uh, that's not something that, that's interesting and that's not how they're built either yeah okay. so um, and actually that's something if you want to delve into more deeply uh, they don't have a, a world a story world that they lock into um, and so they're not sure why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah, they're just okay. responding, uh-huh. actually. That's actually what they're doing at the moment. Right. And humans actually have to give them a context yes, and a direction. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And I guess um, on that, I had a, I have another question um, that uh, comes up a lot when people talk about AI or generative AI, which is about bias and that, um, you know, it's a – it's just working out something based on the knowledge that it's already got and if you put in biased information then it will spit out biased results. Um, is What what does Othelia do in that space or can you is, it a, is bias an issue that you have to kind of manage in your program? So our perspective on the concept of bias is a little bit different uh-huh. or more yep. detailed. Bias is, uh, in my opinion, uh, something that is inherent to culture and language rather Mm. than a language model. Okay. And so uh, bias is very important to story industries because the whole purpose of writing a story is to reflect on the bias of a culture. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) And bias is... um, Culture is about prioritizing certain values over others. Right. You're saying these yep. are in this culture, this is what yeah. uh, we value mm-hmm. and therefore we have bias towards these values mm-hmm. and against these values. So I think bias is a phenomena in large language models of the culture of the, um, the programmers and the p- people who've made it. Uh. So when um, and that, so, for example, if you use ChatGPT and we hooked up our system to ChatGPT and we asked it to make a story uh, about a, you know, a young manager in a tech firm and it immediately assumed that that, that, that was going to be a male. Um, if you change the story, it would come up with some very socially biased names yeah, indeed, about people. Yeah. And so that's the result of its programming and the world that it was created Mm. with within yeah so for us bias is really important for creativity Mm. so for we would um in order to enhance creativity uh you could have your own language model that if you're a producer or a story holder if you had a large language model and you could work with it mm-hmm. and program its bias right. that creates story diversity and cultural diversity. And when you ask is bias good or bad, well, what is culture good or bad? Like mm. is the American culture good or bad? Is the Australian culture good or bad? I think it's very a human thing to discuss. You know, bias yes. is something that we create entire university yeah. departments. That is actually such a good point, of. like that it's about um, 
it's about the world that you live in. You know, yes. that's storytelling. In the context of storytelling, yeah, bias is one of the characteristics of the world we live in, I suppose. I think and so. And the things and we I, st- tell stories about. I, I think it's very important to um, the story industries. The role of the story industries is to help people reflect on their biases, mm. on their culture, decide whether they want to change it or uphold certain cultural traditions and I think it would be a pity if we only had one or two large language models Mm. that only had one group of biases I think that yeah uh, the role of the humanities is to really be able to have the freedom to discuss and progress mm-hmm. our biases and yeah yeah have that conversation I have guess the conversation and so with your I, like I know that um well I don't know much about um generative AI but um the the material or the data that it's drawing from like what where is it coming from in the case of Othelia and can you like it sounded a bit like what you were saying you could kind of train it a little bit like so can you build it yourself a little bit so um, the, the way that Ophelia works is we are a safe story container mm. and we, if you, were a, you had a story, mm. we could give you an Ophelia container and it's up to you to put your story world and your words into that container. Mm-hmm. So as the story holder, it would be important for you to then um, decide what you valued within that. Right, and okay. Up, uh, that environment. Now, there are certain things that you can do with, as when creating stories when you start uh, putting it in a large uh, narrative model. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, writers really enjoy being able to update their story in real time. Mm-hmm. So when they decide that they actually want a character to appear a bit later in their movie, they can very simply move that character in the scene down you know down a few scenes or mm-hmm. into the next act and what will happen in Athelia because it's held in, not on paper the story will completely update and shift wow. and if you wanted to decide that this is all about bias that you didn't want Bob to be the lead character you actually wanted a mermaid to be the lead character you uh, can change Bob to a mermaid and the system will update right. everything. Wow. Also, in the future, what we're working on to release is that our system will understand that Bob's and the biases that Bob has mm. is different from the biases that Amelia, ha- uh, sorry, that the mermaid has. Yep. So when you change it to a mermaid, it won't just turn the mermaid into a Bob bias. The mermaid will actually have all its fishy incentives oh. infused into the story as well fishy incentives I fishy love that. incentives yes. uh, so that that's just an example of uh-huh. like what we do right, so okay. we're not actually generating text we are holding yeah the stories of people mm-hmm. and the words that they've chosen so you can probably see how we can work with these other intelligence mm-hmm. systems but we are not a traditional AI, we're not a large language model and we're not a neural net traditionally. Wow. Um, I think that's making it a lot clearer. I think that at the beginning, I mean, we, we, nobody really understands this stuff, like not everybody anyway. Hardly no. anybody really knows um, how to even think about generative AI. And, and so, it, and it's just appeared now as yes. this amazing engine that you can yes. get to organise, you know. I mean, I'm just worried about trip. my students writing their essays in it, like... 
you know, yes, this is right. <laughs> an issue <laughs> that we have. Yeah, that's right. So but, what um, is it that yeah. they're learning? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's right. And I want to learn, I want to teach my students how to write yeah. um, in a scientific way, which is a very specific kind of style of writing. Um, but that's a completely different thing to what othelia is, right? Which, which is, you know, well, it seems like that anyway to me. Well, where we work with or can work with large language models is we can help them create a story world so that they actually can make sense within that mm. that environment. Um, so, um, yeah, so, for example, something we're interested in doing is turning them into, uh, with gaming environments, that if you have generative text and you allow a character to be able to say whatever they want um in within a gaming environment you can have a never-ending story situation if you have Ophelia managing the world uh so if because what happens is the character understands its roles and responsibilities its values its Mm. biases and then whatever comes out of its mouth will be in line with its culture wow yeah that's remarkable I think I should have a go. I think I need to get on there and, like, give it a crack myself, to be honest. Please do. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, let's chat about the film. Yeah. So we're going to be um, watching Everything, Everywhere, All at Once next week. Oscar winning. Yeah. Fantastic. Won so many awards. I yeah. read that it's the most awarded film in history or something. Do you know if that's true? I'm not sure if that's true. It's but won a lot, though. I have been really really love the directors they're called the daniels because yeah, they're right. two young um well they were two young directors uh who were really uh into wrapping green screen i don't know if people know oh, yeah. about green screen a yeah. lot of um yeah, so you can Twitch, use cgi uh, stuff better, yeah is so that right? they actually were just these funky tech <laughs> filmmakers and they Worked out if you wrapped green screen around someone's arm, you could basically block out the arm. <laughs> and they'd create these amazing little short films where, you know, I don't know, people would vomit each other and <laughs> and things would come out of their world or they'd, you know, they'd sneeze and explode. And they were doing this all just with, you know, phones and uh, Very green simple, screen. basic, yeah. lo-fi, almost lo-fi Lo-fi, tech. completely yeah. lo-fi. So they've taken <laughs> that and come up with this extraordinary movie. Wow. Mm. Um, so, yeah, when, when I was approached by, because this is a collab between Niram um, the art museum here in Armadale and the Smart Region Incubator and Cyflix. We were tossing around film ideas and I was like, AI, I love AI. Um, why don't we do um, Blade Runner or why don't we do Ex Machina or um, there's a iRobot or AI, artificial intelligence, like I was, you know, spitting out all these AI films. And then we came up with um, with everything everywhere. And um, But I think in the context of of generative AI storytelling, like it could be a really good choice. But what do you think Mm. about that? Oh, there's absolutely um, parallels Mm -hmm. uh, to what Ophelia does. When I saw the movie, and I won't give away too much (laughs) of what happens, uh, (laughs) but what does happen in the movie, which is really exciting, is that these characters start to hop into different dimensions where they also exist but they have a different storyline or a narrative happening. And so what happens is they start jumping between these dimensions 
And at one point you'll, when hopefully you come next week to see this wonderful yep. movie at the cinema, uh, you will hear them explain what is happening and why they're jumping. And the branching and the through lines and the different options of the story is exactly what Ophelia does. So what you will see on the fi- in the film is actually interfaces and screens that we work on, which is uh, and we're working on, which is the ability to take a story idea and say, okay, let's make the story do this and see mm-hmm. what would happen. Actually, now let's change it and see a different scenario and let's branch it at different spaces. And that is what happens when you don't have to write story on paper. When you hold story worlds uh, in, you know, suspended and based on the values and you store the values and the way that um, parts of the story well connect, Mm -hmm. you can very quickly design different alternative story lines that are consistent with that story world. So I think I was very excited when I heard it was that movie because it, although... At the moment, Ophelia can't help you jump dimensions. Um, you have to stay within your own story world. But the maybe something for future. Uh, uh, what is it? Research and development. Yeah, that's I'm right. Sure. <laughs> uh, at the moment, we haven't got interdimensional shifting down. But <laughs> what we are really interested in and did kind of really enjoy was seeing the way that the stories that the narrative and the experience for the audience is to see these different storylines and that's something you can work on in Athelia and Athelia will help you do it sounds I mean I, I assume that did the Daniels write it or they just direct it do you they know? wrote it and directed it I assume that they used paper though most definitely they yeah. used paper yeah and post-it notes wow and would and that is really the standard yeah. way of organizing be it an electronic post-it mm-hmm. note or a electronic piece of paper um but pretty much the whole industry will use uh those two mediums mm-hmm. and that hasn't changed for about wow. 100 years and when you were talking about those and we'll see in the film i guess those different um they're not are they alternate realities or are they different dimension that it's interdimensional multi-dimensional i guess that's true that they are different they are different realities mm. um, with the same characters in them. Right. Yeah. It reminded me of, I don't know if you re- used to read the Choose Your Own Adventure books when you were a kid. Absolutely. And I remember, because um, I was really bad at like committing to a decision, so I would have um, all of my fingers like in the pages of the book to sort of mark where I was going to get to so and I could come everything back. And you're like, and you're trying to go through the threads. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it sounds a bit like um, it'd be so much easier if I had some kind of technology that would help me mark where I could go back to and then branch out from again, where, the, where I made my bad decisions so I Absolutely. could go back. Although you've, you've completely got the industry challenge that's happening at the moment. There's an amazing game called Red Dead Redemption. Some oh, yeah, of you yeah, may I've have played it. Yeah. Red Dead Redemption 2 um, was hailed as one of the most amazing story worlds, be it in a film or game or television um, uh, format, uh, by the New York Times. And we discovered that it took seven years to write and it was written on paper. And it, the experience of the game is like a big choose-your-own-adventure and it's like a story world and it feels like you go through it and mm-hmm. things unfold around you. 
but it is a choose your own adventure. It took seven years to write wow. and over a thousand pages of stories. So they actually wrote the whole game narrative out on paper. And that was one of the motivations we had to create Athelia. We said, if you put it into yeah. an engine that we've built, you can model it out yeah. without using paper. That's right. Because imagine having all those characters and all those stories and all mm. those possible interactions. Um, it gets very complicated very quickly. It's very hard to hold it in yeah. our heads. Yeah. Very hard. Mm. Superhuman. Okay, yeah. I have one last question for you. This has been a great chat. Um, so... Yeah, I, I work, I'm a paleontologist. I work on stuff that's very old <laughs> and very dead. <laughs> but I really admire people who work on the, the cusp of new technologies. Um, but I, I was sort of reflecting on that and I was like, but it's also unnerving as well because I feel like these people know something that I don't, you know. I feel like I'm just living in the past, you know. Um, but can you give a sense about, how you envisage the future, like how will these kinds of technologies affect um, what the future's like? Uh, we, we definitely think about it a lot. We definitely, um, being storytellers as well as um, having, you know, access or looking at uh, this new technology, we do think about where the future is going. Uh, I... I would encourage people to go back to their science fiction because I, whatever I predict, I cannot say it better than, you know, our amazing science fiction writers. So I think what's so important is storytellers are so important because they are so good at showing us worlds that could possibly happen. And so I would say, please, if you haven't started reading your science fiction, yeah. you know, your Philip K. Dick, your Ursula Le Guin, who yep. we love, um, you know, look at all of these uh, possibilities that are unfolding. Uh, the experience this week, and it's changing so quickly, the experience this week in the AR community is that the cat's pretty much out of the bag <laughs> at the moment. Um, if we told to tell a story, uh, a lot of these big companies and the, the fathers, the founding fathers of AI um, have been working for the Googles and the, um, the Facebooks and they've kept this technology out of the community. Um, and it was only when a character called Elon mm. decided that he didn't want everything behind closed doors, he wanted to have more open access, that he helped found a company called OpenAI. And that company's mission was to keep things open and give access to humanity so that they had access to it as well. But recently, that technology's got so advanced um, that uh, just this week, uh, the one of the founders of uh, AI from Google described that um, these language models can now, uh, they now have over a trillion uh, neural connections. Oh. To give you um, a context to that, humans have over 100 trillion connections in their brain or in their nervous system, nervous system yeah. and the AI is growing so quickly that it will soon have as many as humans do however humans have a very different energy system to uh mm -hmm. um this tech this tech is run on silicon and it has so much more power behind it oh. so if we're talking about stories and I won't predict the future but I'll tell you a story about yeah. the, the present that this open AI has now been bought by another big tech company, Microsoft, and it's no longer open. It's now it's now been monetized. 
Um, and the governments are called for a six-month, you know, yeah. uh, ceasing mm-hmm. of this technology to be advanced. Over 30,000 signatures by leading um, scientists. Oh, and I saw that in the news. Yeah, yeah that was Elon big. signed it. Yeah. Um, one of the founding fathers of AI has signed it. Um, and, you know, uh, the government, Biden's called everyone in uh, and talked to everyone because they're realising regulation is really important. So, you know, it is very, very, very interesting times. Mm. And uh, I encourage you to read your science fiction yeah. and understand all the possibilities um, that could be unfolding. Uh, because I don't think that our world is going to look the same in the next few years no yeah the the past science fiction it is frighteningly good sometimes at predicting the future yes uh what i do think is going to stay is people's need for story Mm. and people's need to uh reflect and qualify and the need for creativity the need for artists the role of the artist who Mm. i see's job is to reflect on what's happening feed it back in a way that we love, which is narrative. I think mm-hmm. that's our operating system. Yep. And help us decide what biases and values we want in our culture and what ones we don't. And that's been happening for, you know, since civilization, Millennia. Uh, and since language yep. uh, has been formed. And I don't think that will change. And I think this is just another opportunity to clarify how we want to exist together. Fantastic. Thank you so much for having a chat with me today, Kate. Absolute and I'm pleasure. super, super, super looking forward to the movie next week. So good. Yeah, it's going to be great. I yeah. hope everybody comes down. It's um, Thursday the 25th of May at the Belgrave Cinema, 6pm start. Come down for 6pm to hear Kate give a short talk before the film and stay after the film to ask Kate questions. Thank you very much. Lovely to talk, Marissa. Thank you.